listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knabel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All right, so here we are. It's my turn. I'm so excited. So we're here with Cassie and we are going to know all the things Cassie. I apologize in advance. Why? <laughs> no, don't apologize. I'm so excited. It's a long and sordid story. I'm sure if it's as close as long as mine, then this will be even. Yeah. If you guys are still listening at this point to ep- this next episode, then thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to my entire story. And still Maybe wanting you just to learned how to like, you'll after these two episodes of our personal journeys, you'll be able to fast forward as you need to through your podcast episodes. Did you know that one of the apps or several of the apps I listen to, you can make it two times speed and it makes us sound like squirrels, but you can hear it faster? Yeah. It, listen, everybody else <laughs> listens through iTunes. <laughs> Not if you're an Android. Come on. Yeah. How much percent of people are using? How a many lot. people are using Android? A lot. What are you talking about? We need a fact checker. Like I know. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> it's not as many as you think. No, no, okay. I'm sure. Okay. okay. So I, the first question is the same question you asked me. So what is your morning routine? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I get fiery about this subject, to be honest, because I feel like there's just a lot of chatter in the health and wellness space, which is the space that I live. occupy and live. And, um, I, it's really difficult to have a solid morning routine when you have a toddler. I recognize that there are people out there who can make that happen and choose to make that happen. But, you know, I, I never go to bed early enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, early for me is like 930. I'd like to be asleep mm-hmm. by like 10. I, I'm usually like falling asleep by like 11, 15, 1130. And it Ditto. needs to be earlier for sure for me mm-hmm. to feel my best. But I'm trying to. My kids are not toddlers and I 100% relate. So I'd like to say it gets better. Better is the wrong word. It doesn't change much. I think it gets better when you ask for help. Yeah. So a lot of the moms I know who are able to maintain like a morning routine have, you know, they can hop over their partner and say, hey, like, you know, can you handle breakfast and I'll go and do five minutes of meditation and whatever. That's all well Mm -hmm. and good. I hear um, Robin Euclid talk about that often on her Instagram account and just she's so inspiring to me um Ditto. and she her book Thin From Within um is one of the books that kind of allowed me and Thin From Within is not what you think it might be I know that title um, is misleading slightly right but it's it's really lovely and it's all about mindset and mm-hmm. just connecting with yourself and checking in and and so she kind of talks about like checking in with yourself in the morning so I've been working really hard to just literally take like a hot minute to sit up in bed even if the kid is like mom mommy I'm awake 
And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I hear, think I was Stuart I from see Family Guy. Mum, mummy, yes, mom, exactly. Mum, mum, Lois. I don't even watch that show, and I know that. Um, uh, so anyway, so I, I try to I try to sit up and not touch my phone. Take a minute. Take I a need deep to work on that. Yeah, amen, sister. It <laughs> took a while. Um, take a deep breath and just like check in with myself. Like, how are you feeling? Are you tired? Are you fatigued? Are you emotionally exhausted? Are you feeling great? Are you energized? Are you motivated? Are you, you know, what, where's your head at today? And doing that has been really helpful because it, it can speak into the rest of my day. And when I meet myself and, and do the, okay, today, and this morning it was a, you're really tired today. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're really tired what are we going to do to make yourself feel better today? Um, but also, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to skip the gym and I'm going to go for a walk instead Mm. and listen to a little podcast. Um, but getting back into my routine. So I get up and I have that, you know, morning minute is what Robin Euclid calls it, which is great. Mm -hmm. Very difficult because my kid is actually my alarm clock. Mm. I don't set an alarm. Most of the time I'm starting to, as I, as I kind of work on this stuff, but my kid is my alarm clock and always has been since he was born because we have a one bedroom rental. That'll do it. Yes. So he li- he sleeps in, in our room. He has his own crib and everything, but it's like kitty corner across the room from us. And like that kid pops up. He's like, hey, mom, I see you. <laughs> I see you. Better get up. Better come get me. And he's, you know, it goes in stages and he's kind of going through a stage right now where he'll wake up and like coo a little bit. And it's so cute. And he's talking to himself and he's his little stuffed bunny and his little stuffed monkey are like having this like conversation. And it usually involves like the activities that he did the day before. Oh, my word. It's so cute. I'm just dying. I love my child so much. It's like it hurts. Your child's adorable. You're yeah. It's ditto with your children. (laughs) So, um. So, you know, getting into that routine as a mom is tough. And I, I have chosen to, you know, live a more minimalist life, which means we have a small space currently. And even as we move into a bigger space, the only difference will be a separate room that my children, child, current child lives in. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's kind of our reality right now. And so I just try to do what I can with that. And then I, I get up and, and my kid's the type of kid that needs calories immediately. <laughs> So like I will usually go in the bathroom, grab my toothbrush, throw on some Sparkle Beauty toothpaste. Booyah. Booyah. <laughs> Genevieve's company. And um, and I'll start brushing my teeth and walk into the kitchen and take pre-cooked bacon, pre-cooked sausage that I've cooked previously um, and set that in the cast iron. And then I will throw on a paleo pancake for my kiddo because that kid loves pancakes so much. That's amazing. He didn't even really have a pancake until he was like 18 months or or more. But we found this great pancake mix called Birch Benders at hmm. it's paleo pancake mix at Costco. The only thing I don't love about it is it has monk fruit sweetener in it. What doesn't these days? Right. I, it has a does. really bad aftertaste. And so <laughs> I personally don't like the taste of it, but you know, he doesn't mind and and studies show that monk fruit in, in moderation is okay. So oh, far, so that's good to know because yeah. it's in everything. Yeah, so it's an alternative sweetener, mm-hmm. similar to stevia that's made from plants, um, fruit. And so essentially, I'll cook up a pancake from pre-made pancake mix, mind you. I mix it all up. That's awesome. Mix it all up, but it makes my morning so much easier. Oh, I I have figured out. <laughs> 
through my kids' food journey. If you heard the first episode, you'll know. A mom has to have some convenience at least once a day. Yeah, and somewhere. I'm, I'm so I'm such a stickler about the real food thing that we don't really eat any convenience food. So my right. form of convenience is to make it myself in advance. Right. Um and no judgment whatsoever. We we still eat, you know, Teton Waters Ranch grass fed hot dogs and all that stuff for him often. But yeah. we pick other somewhere has gotta be convenient somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You have to something's gotta give even when you're a holistic nutritionist. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so I get him going and usually by the time, you know, we're up and moving a little bit, my husband is either already gone for work um or he is um kind of like th- throwing his shoes and his tie on and headed out the door. And my husband's a teacher. So yeah, he has teachers. to be Yeah, he's a science teacher, so he has to be at the school pretty darn early, which is why I don't have the ability to say, "Hey, can I have a hop minute in the morning and every right. once in a while he'll let me sleep in what time does he leave um like six forty-five or so mm-hmm. so I know, i'm not i'm not getting up crazy Skyler early leaves at 5 30 yeah that's really early i'm like no <laughs> well and to top it off my husband is not a morning person so for ah. me to ask something of him in the morning is pretty awful i have to like you know and he when graham was a baby Josh would take him in the morning Mm because it just meant like throwing him in the little seat and bouncing and he's all cute and gooing and and Josh can do everything he needs to do. Um, But Graham is not in that stage anymore and Mm -hmm. he commands attention and he needs food immediately. So Mm -hmm. I try to plan accordingly and go to bed early enough to where I'm not going to be like a zombie when that's amazing. So anyways, long story short, I really ebb and flow with my kid in the morning and I try to spend some quality time with him in the morning, too, because that really sets my day out with intention. And and he has trouble with transitions a little bit. So mm. and I, I have to kind of coach him. And I'm, I'm trying to be better about letting him know, like, OK, this is what we're going to do next. OK, after, you know, you, you finish your breakfast, we're going to change into our clothes for the day and we're going to hop in the car and we're going to go to grandma's house. Yeah, yeah. So I, I live in a really interesting space where, you know, people kind of think that I'm a stay at home mom mm-hmm. because of the nature of my work. And I'm people actually don't even know what I do. I'm a work at home mom. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to explain. And so my mother actually cares for my kiddo and then my mother in law one day a week as well. But I basically have full time child care with my family, which is the hugest blessing you could imagine. So then I drop him off with my mom who lives, you know, a little closer toward Mount Hood. I live in the Sandy area. So pretty. Yes. Sandy, Oregon. And not far from here. And definitely where Genevieve grew up. I live there now. Um, oh, and I, I moved away not long ago. But my mom lives in an even smaller mountain town. So mm-hmm. I try to intentionally like use my commute time on the way out there. Mm-hmm. Now that Graham is talking and conversing, I like have a little, we have a little chat, a little mm-hmm. powwow in the car on the way <laughs> I out. I love kid toddler chat. Oh, it's oh so fun. Okay, what did you do yesterday? Okay, blah, blah. you know, it's <laughs> like, oh God, I can't talk about, I cannot talk about monster trucks anymore. <laughs> He's obsessed. <laughs> He's obsessed. It's like ridiculous. Oh my gosh, monster trucks. Oh, monster trucks, tractors. That kid knows the difference between an excavator, a backhoe, a loader, a backhoe loader, a bulldozer, <laughs> a dump truck. And he will say, no, mommy, that's a backhoe loader, not oh, a loader. Like he will correct, no, mommy. I'm like, oh gosh, child. So anyways, well, we have our little, you know, little chat. 
And then on the way back, I either take a coaching call with one of my beauty counter Fit it in where you can, team right? members. Yeah. While I'm in the car, I throw my Bluetooth and do that. Or I will hop onto like a podcast or some sort of inspirational book that I'm reading and spend a little time in that. that. Yeah. And I'm actually doing a lot more of that. And I blocked out my schedule to not take coaching calls unless Mm -hmm. I have a a, um, consultant who really needs that pocket of time. Mm -hmm. But I'm finding out that that's really setting the tone for my day a lot better. And I was making myself too available to my team, which is like, Oh, that's a hard balance to find too. I do that a lot. So anyways, that's kind of the morning routine. And then I set out on my work day, you know, I love that. I think that it's important to talk about the real world. Like you were saying of toddlers in your room with you and finding the space of when to take people's phone calls and not, and it's difficult. It is, it is, it is. And I, I think that it's important for people to find those things for themselves too. Uh, so we did talk a little bit about Sandy and where you're at. So, um, tell me a little bit about where you grew up and tell me about your family. So I grew up in a little town called Brightwood, Oregon. Ooh, Brightwood. 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 I always think of, uh, uh, what is it? Malibu or whatever. B-Rad from the boo. B- <laughs> I haven't heard that forever. We call it, we, we used to call it B-Wood, Brightwood. B-Wood. <laughs> That's so funny. It's like yeah, a little we tribe were, up there because it's so it far. Really, it really was quite the tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up, it's a crazy small town. I mean, you know, there were maybe 500 people. It's like three stoplights. One stoplight that didn't. That's right, get, Brightwood. I'm thinking of Welch's. Yeah, Brightwood. one stoplight in Welch's. There's no stoplights in Brightwood. You're right. <laughs> so Brightwood's really tiny, but that whole community is maybe like 1,800 people within like a five mile radius or so. Mm-hmm. Um, gorgeous mountain area. Oh, gorgeous. Yeah, I basically grew up in the middle of a national forest. It's stunning. Stunning, and it's changed a little bit, of course. You know, we've yeah. got a bigger footprint, but that's where I always went. Um, cliff jumping into rivers yeah yeah Growing sandy up. river mm-hmm. zigzag anybody who lives in the area will know what we're talking about others they're all nodding like, their head right now yeah what are you talking about <laughs> so sounds dangerous <laughs> <laughs> so i grew up in brightwood i went to a very small tiny tiny little school welch's grade school middle school high school tracked through from like basically preschool through high school with most of the same people right so that same. kind of like or at least through middle school and then obviously we head into high school and our high school was pretty unique because sandy high school serves a lot of those smaller towns so it's actually a big high school for how yeah space. small yeah the, the area or the surrounding towns are so i think we had like four, i think if you commuted 1400 from, students at sandy when mm-hmm. when we were there yeah about so. and i think if you commuted from one end of the school district to the other for the high school it'd take you like an hour 45 minutes at yeah, least. Yeah, I mean, kids who lived in government camp, which is closer to Mount Hood, further, like you know, even further from, from Sandy. Yeah, more. <laughs> is it more? 45, Gosh. yeah. Mm. Um, so anyway, so I grew up in a, a super small town. Um, my dad worked in uh, plastics, so he was like a, a, worked in manufacturing. Oh, I didn't know that. And oh, interesting. Yeah, lots of toxins in that situation. I know. Um, I would love to hear a little bit more about your dad because I really haven't heard much about your dad. I know kind of, but yeah, it's here a big we are. piece of big piece of who I am and yeah. I'll definitely go into that today. So, um, so my doctor in plastics and my mom, um, she stayed home with us, but then my mom always like made a job for herself. 
made a job. Like if there was a position that she thought needed to be filled that didn't exist, she would like go to the person who ran whatever she was doing and say, I need to be doing this. Good for her. Go get her. So she figured out a way to kind of stay at home with us, but also work. And she, uh, she worked at the local daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she kind of ebbed and flowed between like working at the pool and working at, um, and eventually she kind of continued her education and training and became a preschool teacher. So mm-hmm. she didn't do that until I was in like a little latter part of grade school and in middle school. And mm-hmm. our, our school was across the street from the preschool. So it was a very connected community. My mom was very well respected and well known in the community, incredibly hard worker, just amazing woman. Um, and I would get to walk over from the middle school over to the preschool every afternoon and like help with the kids and sit during the last circle time and like oh my see gosh. my mom in action. Oh, that's cool. God, I adored her. I still do. She's amazing. That's so cool. And um, yeah, so that was kind of, you know, most of childhood was pretty chill. We, you know, we, we didn't grow up with a lot and I didn't have a lot of money. There was a lot of scarcity around money. Um, but we had everything we needed. Yeah. Do you think that had much to do with the adult you are? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. First of all, my messed up relationship with money. That's a whole Mm. nother conversation because we're definitely going to talk about Jen Sincero's books and, and kind of moving through that space. But I'm excited about that. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I just always thought, I thought that people who had money were bad people because that's what I was told by my family. Like there was so much inequality and lack of fairness. And now I live in a space where I'm like, yeah, if you want it, you claim it. Like it's yours. And so uh, it's hard to get out of that scarcity mentality. But, Mm -hmm. you know, basically growing, growing up without made me never want to go without ever again. Yeah. And that's still not completely part of my life, but um, as far as like my reality, right. We all have our limitations and yes. Yeah. Finances. That's a whole nother conversation. But, um, I knew I wanted to do something big with my life. I had always been a very driven student. I excelled in math. In case you didn't catch it, she and I, we went to the same high school together, but we didn't know each other, but I knew of Cassie and that was something I knew about you. I knew that you were a good student and I knew that you were like, kind of like, put your mind to it. You're going to get it. Oh, I did. I always knew that about it. I knew you were a go-getter. I just didn't know you. Oh, okay. So I feel that. I appreciate that. Well, good. I'm glad. Thank you. <laughs> so I, and I learned from my mother that like, you know, when things got tough, mom just went and got another job. Huh. Like that was, she's like, okay, I got to have two jobs. Cool. I got to have three jobs. Fine. I'll make it work. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I entered into high school, I was, and right before high school, I was like busing to the high school to do math classes at the high school level. So that was mm. like my area I excelled in. And oh, I kind of. Your love affair with numbers. Yeah. And I chased <laughs> that for a long time because I've really only ever liked doing things that I was good at. Like mm-hmm. that's been a big driver for what I choose to do, which is, I mean, has natural a, as a child. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, I think it keeps me from, from growth sometimes in, in some ways. And then other times it really helps me, mm-hmm. you know, realize some of my dreams. Oh yeah. I think there's definitely a big space in, um, pursuing your talents. Yeah. And I kind of, you know, I, ne- I didn't necessarily know what those were, but when things didn't like when it was clear, I wasn't talented at something, I didn't think to myself, like, I'm just going to spend an epic amount of time. I kind of always had that work smarter, not harder mentality. Mm. 
and that's I, amazing. and obviously I didn't know that's what it was then, but right. I was like, why am I going to spend time doing something that I'm not great at when this other thing I'm pretty great at? So yeah. I'll just pursue that instead. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. Right. Which didn't necessarily mean I enjoyed it, but you know, for the most part I enjoyed being good at things. So, which there right. wasn't, <laughs> I say that it doesn't, I wasn't good at that many things, but <laughs> the things I, the things I enjoyed, I loved math. Um, I did dance. I did tap ballet, jazz, hip hop, that lyrical. Through high school, yeah. Yeah. Basically from the age of three through, um, past high school a little bit, Which actually. Is, I did not know that. That is so cool. Yeah. And it was a really big part of my life. I, I excelled in it. I loved it. It was a lot of community for me. Mm-hmm. Um, identity. Yeah. Lots of identity in that. And when I, when I got into high school, my freshman year, partway into my freshman year, my dad, um, stopped working because he had pretty far complicated, like basically from complications of type two diabetes. And he had been diagnosed with diabetes quite a few years prior, but I, you know, it meant nothing to me. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what it meant. We didn't talk about it. Um, and his health basically just continued to deteriorate over many, many years. And mm. I had seen that happen. You know, I lost my grandfather to complications of type 2 diabetes at a, at a relatively young age. I think he was under 70. I'd have to, I'd, I'd have to fact check that with my mom. <laughs> um, fact check. Right. But, um, yeah, I lost him, you know, pretty, pretty early on. And I think I was 10 years old or 9 years old when my grandfather passed. And he he died of comp- like basically gangrene. I mean, wow. he had, he had severe infections. He had had his, um, his leg removed, um, up to the knee. He had, you know, lots of amputations of toes and then that kind of mm-hmm. moved further and further. So I saw that in, in him. I saw my, I lost my, um, and years, years later for kind of similar complications of, of type two diabetes and autoimmunity. That'll definitely shape how you view the world. Yeah. But I saw, I basically saw my dad's family getting sick very early and I saw all of them kind of deteriorating in health to the point where I just thought it was part of our reality. Like yeah. It's just of, how life was part yeah. of our genetics. Mm. And I thought, you know, dad's going to the doctor. He's, you know, he's seeing people who know what they're talking about and and nothing's changing. And, you know, I think he knew some things about what he could do for himself, having talked to my mom about it, you know, further down the line, but he was so unhealthy. I mean, like bordering 400 plus pounds and, Mm -hmm. and so deeply depressed. I can't even imagine how he felt. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel that now, but there, it took a long time for me to work through that. Um, so he stopped working when I was, you know, basically at the very beginning of high school, and partway through and I had kind of a similar thing where I, I'd leave, I'd walk from high school to his work cause he worked down in the industrial park in Zandy Oh, and I would walk down and meet him and then drive home with him oh, to listen to nice. classic rock on the way home. Ah, yes. I love music and connections with parents. Yeah. And I, I desperately wanted to be connected to both of my parents mm-hmm. and uh and then I went through a little bit of a rebellious stage oh I'm excited to hear more about that <laughs> I listened to a lot of punk rock <laughs> I painted my nails black I dyed my oh. hair black like or did you close. wear black lipstick I don't think I ever did that I don't maybe I did and if Got I probably <laughs> okay I definitely bought it 
<laughs> because I would use it for like Halloween and stuff like that. So I think mm-hmm. I had it around and I think I put it on and I was like, no, you cannot pull that off. <laughs> but the reason why I thought I couldn't pull it off is because I had a very crooked teeth mm. and I never wanted to bring attention to my lips because mm. it was I like, I always got stuff like that where they're like, I'm just not going to put attention there. I think, yeah, I didn't. Well, and that's a whole nother story about how long it took me to like wear lipstick even like recent, relatively recently. So, um, anyway, so my, you know, my dad was sick and I was kind of going through, you know, that the motions in high school and kind of trying to figure out who I was kind of classic, you know, if someone had asked me like, like what, where my identity was, I would have said like, oh my gosh, it's like, you know, punk rock music. And here's like oh, these lyrics. And I just like, is it connect punk rock with or this. Was it emo? both. Yeah, like, you know, like, let's be real. And <laughs> I was you know, heavy email. And this is like neither here nor there. But during that time, you know, I found God and and I was plugged into a church community. That's great. And I had a I had a place where I I flipped my friend group mm. overnight. Shut the front door. Yeah. Dang, so that's that's hard to do. I you know, I lived in this weird, funky, like punk rock space where all these kids were, you know, going through and everything as woe as me and I'm a victim and blah blah. And I was just like, ugh. They were exhausting to me. Yeah. But I didn't know where I fit. So I was trying to hang out with that crew and um liked some of the music and pretended to like the rest of it. <laughs> oh, when you so desperately want to fit in, I've been there. Oh my gosh. And I went to tons of concerts. Yes. Concert after concert. I would be out till two AM as a fourteen year old. Like Dang. my parents must have just shit <laughs> just died, you know. What is happening? <laughs> what are you doing? But they let me. There was I love my parents, but discipline was not their forte and they kind of didn't know how to deal with my really strong personality. Yeah. They're trying and, to give you space to grow and, be, and become who you were. I'm yeah. Sure you and I mean, honestly, like, and they told me no. And I'd be like, I'm going to turn that no into a yes. And I did every time. Dang. And I'm I, scared to have a child like that. Right. I was pretty defiant for, it was a very short period of time, but it was a, an impactful period of time. It doesn't take long to be impactful in no. certain ages. Right. No. And I, um, so, and I have, a, I didn't mention, I have a brother. <laughs> He's a little bit older than me. Um, and his story is not mine to tell, but, um, how much older is he? He's three and a half years older than me. Okay. So, okay. Enough. And yeah. So basically, you know, throughout high school, I'm just trying to like figure stuff out and wrestling with this stuff. And, and I was, I didn't have a whole lot of self-worth. I, I struggled with, you know, a dad who wasn't providing for our family, and in my thought process and my view, he was choosing that because mm. he was suffering from a preventable disease. And that's mm. really all I knew about diabetes at the time. I didn't realize, you know, all of the neurotransmitter issues and depression and the mental stuff. And there's so much more. I know uphill now. battle. Yeah, really uphill battle and, and getting a lot of bad advice from a lot of physicians out there who mm. who, you know, didn't know as much about nutrition back then. Um. And so that was kind of going on in the background and I found God through, you know, a friend and and just finding community and like digging into scripture and having a lot of things really resonate just for me personally. And beautiful that you could find that at a younger age. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that I did because I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it would have turned out to be honest. I I would have found my way eventually, but who knows? And, uh, but I always, I always dated all the bad boys. However much dating you can do before the age of 16. like before Josh. <laughs> I did. I dated a lot. <laughs> That's funny. I and I was none. the dumper. I was rarely the dumpy. 
And I was okay. like, I just bounced from guy to guy. And I was like, yeah. Figuring it out young, huh? Yeah, you're, I'm, you're boring. I'm moving on to the next guy. I wasn't allowed to date till I was 16. Yeah. So I didn't even get to. I think I had my first boyfriend when I was in like third grade or something ridiculous like that. Like, you know, we all know that doesn't count. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, holding hands was a very big oh, deal. Yeah. And saying that he was your boyfriend. Oh, fi- sixth grade. If you held hands and said he was your boyfriend, like, you're going to be together forever. Forget about it if you kissed on the lips. <gasps> I wasn't doing that in sixth grade. Um, Despite all of this, many, many boyfriends, I was very much so a prude. (laughs) Hence the the dumping? Yes. Yeah? Yep. The you want more from me than I'm willing to give. It's not going to work out. And honestly, my my conviction about, um, you know, not, not choosing certain certain activities as a boyfriend girlfriend situation that was something for me and initially that had way more to do with just being driven and wanting to accomplish things in my life Mm -hmm. and my mom sat me down you know relatively young because I was bouncing from boyfriend to boyfriend in middle school Mm -hmm. and she you know in a small community like that you'd be surprised how much like shenanigans are happening between young children Mm -hmm. um and what I was seeing and hearing and all of that. And I can't even imagine what it's like for kids now. I'm oh terrified. Yeah. But Social I... Social media complicates everything. Oh my gosh, I can't even. Phones. I just can't. Okay. So um, she kind of set me down and she was like, look, I had you and your brother with like no tries. <laughs> like, Ooh, good like we did it. She was like you are very fertile if you're anything like me and you need to be very, very careful. Good for her. And to me, I was like, okay, no middle school kid knows how to properly use contraception. Right? <laughs> yeah, forget and, that. And all the other stuff just terrified me because I was so self-conscious about everything, right? And so I just didn't even really go into that space because I I just was, ter- I was scared. I was like, mm. I have to get out of this tiny town and I have to do big things and I don't have time for this. Yeah. I don't have time to get pregnant. And that's that big mentality. That there teen are very mom few thing people. scared the sh- shoot out of me. <laughs> <Shnikes. laughs> I know. I And I think that there's many, many, many people that don't ever reach that point because they don't think beyond tomorrow, 10 yeah. days from now, that sort of thing. But you have plans. Oh, I had plans. Mm-hmm. I had plans young, too. Yeah, which is and a lot of them were like hilarious pipe dreams, like being a singer is what I wanted to do when I was little. I used to I used to like hang out in front of like my, my personal karaoke machine and listen <laughs> to Mariah Carey tracks and like record myself. Really? And I would, yeah, and I would play it and be like, that is terrible, Cassie. You could... And then I'd be like, no, I still want to practice. And I do it again. And I do oh. it again. And it was never good enough. See, I would record myself and then go, and we're done. <laughs> well, I mean, that's basically what I did. But <laughs> I'd say, and we're done. But then I had fun. I loved right. singing. So music was always a really big part of my life. So, uh, you know, I found, I found God. And that's I, amazing. I, it flipped a switch for me in that I had found a place of purpose, a place of community. And... I desperately needed that at that time. You were looking for it. Oh my goodness. I think sometimes that's what younger Searching. kids are doing when they're looking, when they're in relationships, they're looking for a sense of belonging. Yeah. You know? And so through that, I kind of entered into this newer friend group and my previous friend group was one that was like, they were like mean girling each other and just, mm-hmm. and, and not all of them were girls, but they were just so mean and talking behind one another's backs and talking behind my back and judging everybody around them and woe is me and everybody hates me. And 
and I was just exhausted with it all. And I was like, I don't have time to be friends with people who don't like me. Yeah. And I don't really like them. Like, I don't really like them. That's a huge realization. Some people never get there and they're still there as an adult. Yeah. I was, I've always been kind of acting a lot older than I can tell. Yeah. And I honestly, as a, as a kid, when I hung out at my friend's houses, I would sit at the kitchen table and talk to their parents for so long and they would get so mad at me. Like, why don't you come play Barbies? And I was just like too busy talking to their parents. That's amazing. Whatever. I love knowing that about you. I think that makes a lot of sense because you've always had a little bit of an old soul feel about you. I haven't always been wise about it, but I've always had a... I kind of, I, I, I don't want to say I had to grow up quickly because my parents really did strive to like provide a real childhood for me. And I really, I really was able to play and have fun, but I just never had the personality type that really enjoyed that. I've just always really enjoyed practicality. My hobbies always involve practical things. That's amazing. I've See, loved cooking since I was super duper young. I've like, always loved really unpractical things. Yeah. Like I don't. Things that don't make any sense. I wish I had more of that. That's so you know, funny. Everything that I love is practical for the most part. See if it's been a switch for me. I had to find the ability to be a responsible adult. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe that's I have reason to why take we a drive. step. I have to take a step back and stop being so serious a lot of the time. Mm. You know, it's we'll be good for each other. I'm very bad at having fun. Oh, we'll be good for each other. So bad at having fun. <laughs> so I'm not worried. So long story short. My dad's health deteriorated through high school. Um, I kind of found my tribe of like other geeky, super nice, but also kind of cool people in high school. I was never a cool person, but I like hung out with the crew that was. And Mm -hmm. I tried to bridge the gap between the people that I had left in that like punk community that I didn't walk away from. Um, So I always like to think that like I could kind of like take one lunch table and make them sit with another lunch table. Or or I would, I would eat my lunch and like bounce between like four different tables. Like that was me. I was always like that. Trying to unify people and, and just do me, you know, and And connect with everybody I wanted wanted to connect with. I was almost like networking at lunch in high school. (laughs) Maybe that's why you and I are great in events because it's like, we just don't like. Uh, No, you just got to do your thing. Yeah. Like I think that's so, and, and all the while excelling in math. Um, and I your mom's say, working quite a bit to this point too. Yeah, she's working three plus jobs to support our entire family. Um, Powerhouse. Yeah, and and when I turned fourteen, so this was before my dad stopped working, and um, you know before my mom kind of went deep into working many many jobs to make up for that lack of income and benefits, mind you, and insurance. Mm-hmm. We mo- my entire high school career, we had no insurance, no benefits, oh no retirement, no nothing planned for it's type 2 diabetes yep and so I is basically my mom realized that over the course of my years of getting into like fashion and stuff like that which I'm not like a fashion person but um <laughs> that I had really expensive taste mm-hmm, and I wanted all I wanted nice things I really like having nice things I'd rather have fewer but well, nice practical yeah it is it really is it's more practical I mean it depends some of it's just pretty but a lot of I mean if we're talking about nice clothing now I'm realizing how more much more functional and long-lasting more expensive pieces can be Mm -hmm. um but that's a conversation for another day that's another we're definitely gonna talk about about fashion um and so 
my mom kind of sat me down and she's like, Hey, look, so I, I get that you like nice things. I understand that. I feel that. But, and she didn't say it that way, of course, but she was <laughs> like, she was like, if you, if you want to buy these $70 jeans as a middle schooler that you're going to grow out of in like 10 seconds, um, <laughs> you got to go get yourself a job or work on the side or babysit or something. So I started babysitting and I hate taking care of other people's kids. I hated babysitting I too. I hate taking care of other people's kids. It's not something that I love to do. I like my kids. And I like other people's kids, but I don't want to take care of them. I totally relate. I think so, I babysat maybe three times my whole life. Yeah, I did it a lot more. I did an entire summer before I turned 14, the, the following like end of and my birthday's in February. So, so I was like, okay, if I'm, you know, I got to make my own money. So I started making my own money pretty dang young around the age of 12. I started babysitting consistently and I would spend my entire summer when school was out babysitting almost every single day. Wow. Working. And then as soon as I was legally able to get a job at the age of 14, um, I had a, we had a friend of one of my mom's contacts through our local preschool started a restaurant in Mm. the Welch's area. And I hopped on my first job and I worked as a server and I helped in the kitchen. It was this wow. tiny little cafe and bakery that had like 14 tables. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I could, by, by my second year there or the second summer that I worked there, I could take the entire restaurant at once. Wow. I was an excellent, excellent server. Excelled for and sure. I loved it and I made so yeah, I mean, I mean, for that, for that age with no responsibility. But still, I mean, even now, like that's it still would be a respectable income as an adult. Wow. Like, I don't even know what that's but like. I didn't know how to save. I didn't know how to save money because nobody taught me to because mm-hmm. my parents, anytime there was a little extra, they had gone without for so long that they just wanted to spend it and enjoy something like yeah. go out buy some speakers, buy a new TV, like, you know, whatever it was, it was always like, there was always this pressing need where you hadn't bought something for so long because you couldn't. And then you got your tax return and you could. Right. So stuff like that. And I relate to that. Yeah. So I just didn't have that saving mentality and good Lord, I wish I had. Man, I I hate that feeling. Man, what was I? Yeah. And I I made so much money. (laughs) I got a bug before I went to the summer before I went to college. I actually saved a bug. No, I got the bug to save. The bug. I thought you meant you got a beat up bug. I'm like, shut no, up. No, my first car bug. was a Mitsubishi Montero oh. that like had black smoke coming out of the back of it. It was like $1,800. <laughs> I paid for that myself. I did save Yay. for a car. So I saved for a car and bought a car and then like subsequently got rear-ended and then <gasps> sideswiped. Yeah, it was bad. It was not fun. My, oh, my new, awful. yeah. So money, I just, I've never had a good relationship with money. It's getting better now having worked through it, but I was not a saver. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, I was determined to basically get a full ride to college and spent my entirety of high, my high school career, either working in the restaurant, um, the same restaurant. And then eventually I worked at a little bit bigger resort when that restaurant changed ownership and, um, so I worked as serving and made great tips and, and like kind of made a life for myself and did my own. I'm like, okay, I want to go to a concert. I'm going to go get work an extra shift so I can go. I'm going to, you know, and I, I was constantly saying no to my friends doing fun things because I had to work and I basically worked full time during the summer. I worked 45, 50 hours a week during the summer. Wow. Um, and I, lo- I loved it. 
Yeah. I loved it so much. I love working. I love working so much. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. And I got to talk to people all day. And boy, like if that's my, my career in food service has ch- changed my ability to, to speak to other people, to network, to get to know people, so to practice. ask good questions, <laughs> to, to deal with tough, like conversations and, and deescalate things. Like mm. that's been, you know, a lot through that process. I've learned so, so much. I wish everybody would have a job in food service at some point, not only to understand that industry better, but to also just get some of those skills. Yeah. Man, those skills have served me well in business, which is really surprising. My husband and I talk about all the time, but I essentially was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta make a life for myself. I need to get out of here. So I got myself Mm a a near, very close to a full ride to Linfield college, which is phenomenal. Linfield's a fantastic private school. Um, in Willamette Valley in Oregon. And, you know, I had visited, I I was basically like, okay, I'm going to go to Linfield. I'm going to go, or I'm going to go to Whitman or Pacific or, you know, basically one of our small, you know, Pacific Northwest uh, private colleges that mm-hmm. were available. Um, I also applied to like OSU just to just see what, cause. just cause everybody was going there. Um, oh my Oregon, gosh, everyone Oregon state. Went there. <laughs> everyone went there. So I, I go and visit Linfield college during the fall. Oh, I bet you it was stunning. It was like, I mean, if You're you like, can imagine <laughs> the most immaculate campus, gorgeous oak trees everywhere like there's an mm. entire grove like basically a huge park that's like all oak trees on campus oh it's amazing I loved it and so I went there and I fell in love with it and you're like I can go to school here I was like I'm going here and that I made feeling. that I made and as a junior I made that decision fall of Dang. my junior year that's in, early girlfriend in high school bought myself a Linfield College sweatshirt and it was history. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're doing this. So I had that drive for sure. Cause I, I needed to get out of that small town. Like I, I've always thought I was meant to do something big and I, I didn't know what that meant and, and not trying to sound arrogant, but mm-hmm. I've always wanted to have an impactful life. Yeah. Um, and that figure out meant for more and just of service and helping people. And I, I, you know, I had that in my service job. Yeah. But I, I didn't have that, you know, I didn't know what that was going to mean in adulthood. You should enjoy and, helping and serving. And- yeah. And, and this entire time I was dating my now husband. So we met. I love that story. We actually met in eighth grade. I love that. And at one of our, our, our middle schools used to do mixer dances mm-hmm. before we entered into our freshman year to, they thought it was like a great way to integrate all the students and have them get to know each other. Really. It was just like who can make out with who I know, right? <laughs> really what it was <laughs> uh, like who can make out with someone from a different school. Um, and so I met Josh and Josh's cousin at the dance in, I'm not going to say his name, but, uh, in eighth grade and it was like the mixer dance or whatever. And, and I met a few guys there cause I was, she was on the prowl. I was on the prowl. I was kind of on the prowl. I was, mm-hmm. that was, it was my entertainment really. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I met him and didn't think much of him. You know, I was like, ah, that, he's nice. He seems like a nice guy. His outfit was awful. You're like, I'm not into nice guys. <laughs> I was not into nice guys at the time. So his cousin was a tool at the time. He's a much nicer adult. 
Well, that's good. <laughs> but so I actually ended up going to like freshman homecoming dance in high school with his cousin. Hmm. And he subsequently, I was the dumpy in that situation. Oh. He was, he, I think he just went to the dance with me to dump me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like that didn't make any a, sense. That's a story for a whole other. So we met in eighth grade and I didn't really think much of it. And we had like an epic number of classes together our freshman year of high school. It was um, brought together. Yeah. And he was super sweet and nice. And, you know, he was dating someone with whom he didn't really um, jive with a whole ton. And they kind of fought a lot. Which, And he was he was like in a serious relationship at the age of 15. Well, and this was something I had to explain to Skylar because he grew up, you'd date for three months and then you would move on. Like it was not like no no, no this dated. was like serial monogamy was like the cool thing. Serial monogamy was the cool thing where we were in this <laughs> yeah. time frame that we were in, and I was I just I didn't want that. I wanted to date lots of different people. I didn't want to like date one person forever. Yeah, like, and I mean, if you if you dated lots of different people, you got some words attached to you, even if yeah. there was nothing going on in those exactly. relationships. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I was that person before I met Josh. And I, I probably had never had a relationship longer than a few months, like maybe six months at the most, which was a, approaching longer. Yeah. But this was like with the sweetest. That was the other sweet guy I dated. So you, the you had one, someone who segued into another sweet guy. Yeah. And he was fantastic. He was that was middle school. So it doesn't count. Anyways, <laughs> dating in middle school is like not really a thing. Nah. <laughs> it means you sit at lunch together and go to. Did you still have recess in middle school? I think you do. You definitely have lunch. I know. Um, So anyways, I, um, Josh and I had classes together our freshman year and we used to run together during our freshman PE class. Oh, that's so cute. During the, like the warm up, and we'd like chat, talk about what was going on in our lives and update and that kind of stuff. And we just kind of became friends, like, like acquaintance friends ish. As much as you can be when you're both like dating other people, mm-hmm. and uh, and he had like a little crush on me. I actually didn't know. Did he? Tell, I'm sure he told you in retrospect. A major yeah. crush. And uh, probably fighting it, so like dating somebody else. Yeah, he was dating somebody else, and uh, and we were just talking. You know, it was all above board. We were just talking, but he would like we'd like be running, and he'd be like, "Yeah, my girlfriend and I had a fight," and they like they'd have another fight, and they just and I was like, I I just leveled Dude. with I leveled with him one day, and I was like, "You're 15. You don't need to be in a relationship where you fight all the time." I, oh my <laughs> gosh, like, I'm so happy that you were that for him. I said, "What is happening? Like, why are you doing this?" And I think you know he was in that relationship for another year. Like he dated this girl. For a couple of years. He's a nice guy. She was a little older than him. And and she's a lovely person, to mm-hmm. be honest. She was, had a really rough life. Oh, like everybody's just figuring stuff out at Dude, that age. Yeah, and she oh had a gosh. lot going on. And so we met and kind of just slowly started to get to know one another. And then when I made this big flip and lifestyle change to, you know, this place of finding finding my tribe and my community of other, you know, geeky people who cared about their grades and cared about where they were going in life and wanted to, um, you know, not focus too much on interpersonal relationships and really mm-hmm. like, or I should say like, you know, cross gender relationships. It was more so like, Hey, let's like be friends with each other. Stop worrying so much about love and just like, All right. I don't know, do high school and then go do college. Yeah. Like, right. You know, we had, there was a, there was a, it was, I found my tribe and he was part of that tribe. Ah. which was really interesting. And he broke up with his girlfriend and we started to kind of like just flirt a little bit. And then it was course of like, uh, I told my friend that I had feelings for him and I wanted her to tell her to tell him. And I, I kind of fell for him and it, 
it was really surprising to me because he was still pretty dorky and I never went for the dorky guys and um but you guys had built this foundation yeah we were That's friends so cool. we were friends and that friendship kind of like that is rare too. snuck up on us a little bit yeah you that know is we're like rare. oh we are we're friends we do talk <laughs> um and so you know our sophomore year we kind of started to like court a little bit and and talk and everything and then we totally like became boyfriend and girlfriend it became official this summer in between our sophomore and junior year and i i was High always the type I hate I hate that so much. <laughs> I hate that I'm that person. Um, <laughs> Why? It, no, no, no. It's yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to be. Married, that was something I wanted to talk and, about. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that for sure. So, um, l- very long story short, mm-hmm. we both spent a lot of time on our high school experience. But well, because it's such a it's a molding point yeah. in our life yeah and a lot of mistakes made a lot of yeah i'd like life to altering I'd like to moments. pass over a lot of it um <laughs> so that's the gist <laughs> so and i was i was going through a lot of turmoil with my father's health through this time and really needed someone solid i could lean on i found that in josh mm-hmm. and i found a community that surrounded him of people who had like a really good head on their shoulders and same with like a lot of really stable families like his family was really like solid and, mm-hmm. and stable and consistent. And I didn't necessarily have that in my family at the time. Like, mm-hmm. and so I was really looking for that and really connected with him. And I mean, we basically started dating and the rest was like pretty much history. I thought I was going to be that person that like went and got my PhD and didn't even like think about getting married or having kids until I was like 30 or 35. And like, which is hilarious because God was like, here you go. Here's your person. Really Dude, that's young. I thought about Skylar. And I, yeah. to be like straight honest with you, I don't believe in soulmates. I believe that there are multiple people out there that you can make life work with. Agreed. Um, and it's, a, it, that speaks to the fact that, that being with your partner is a choice every single day. Yes. Um, I totally agree with you. And so we chose to be together. We chose to walk through this life together. We chose to walk through life together. And, um, you know, we knew we loved each other very young. We were saying, I love you when we were like 17 years old. And, you know, to us that it meant kind of, kind of meant forever. And it really surprised me. I spent the first six months of our relationship trying to find everything wrong with him and every reason to, um, to like, you know, wrap it up and yeah. be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just kept proving to me that he was worth sticking around with. Yeah, for real. And so we actually went to separate colleges after we oh, graduated. I didn't know that. Yeah, he went to Western Oregon University and I went to Linfield. And he went to Western instead of OSU because it was closer to me. Um, but I let him know. I said, you know, we'd had talked about getting married and we kind of were like, yes, this is something that we want. And I said, let's be realistic. Like, if we're going to really figure this thing out, we need a solid year of college mm-hmm. and not necessarily a part. We were together the whole first year of college, um, and engaged for most of it, to be honest. Yeah. But we were, I just said like, I'm going to need some space when I'm in school. I'm not going to call you every day. Um, we're not going to talk all the time. I need to do me and I need you to do you. And I need to not worry about that. And that doesn't mean I don't want to, I don't want to date other people. I don't want you to date other people. I'm still committed. I'm still interested. If that changes, I'll, a massive transition. I'll yeah. let you know. But I'm like, I'm like, if I'm, if we're going to do this for real and we want to get married young, mm-hmm. we need to figure out how to do college and be good students and all of that. And, and I also wanted to just kind of like 
see how it was going to shake out for him. Like yeah. see, see what he was going to do. Yeah. Um, that's why I, was, I wish I would have done that, but I needed some space. And so I essentially like I hopped into my college experience and like really immersed myself in the culture of the college and, and absolutely I lived on campus. So you have to live on campus for, Mm -hmm. um, for your freshman and sophomore. No, all the way up till you're 21, you have to live on campus at Linfield. Yeah. Unless you get a a variance because a you're old enough, um, or B you have a medical condition or C you're married. Mm, BYU is like that because there's no co-ed housing on campus or anything right. like that um, or married I think there were a few married housing situations but it was pretty rare and kind of like a case-by-case basis that they did mm-hmm. and so um, so I went to separate colleges I lived on campus I had lovely wonderful roommates Jenna and Krista who are like lifelong friends for me now I just oh, adore so both great. of them that was something um, I really missed out on oh my gosh it was amazing and that was something I didn't want to miss out on mm-hmm. like that roommate experience and I only did a year of it I probably would have loved to have had more of it mm-hmm. um, but I feel like I'm kind of entering into that tribe space now which is right. really interesting and <laughs> so I basically found my stride at, at Linfield I I dug deep. I went in thinking I was going to go into, um, that I was going to be like an engineer. Engineer. I thought I was going to go into engineering, which at Linfield, there's no engineering major. Mm. Um, but you could basically get, you know, have your major be physics and math. And that would translate into an engineering degree. Okay. Or you could do a three, two program where you did three years at Linfield with heavy physics and math. And then you kind of followed up with more specific engineering stuff at OSU for two years. And then you'd end up with a master's at the end of that. Oh yeah. I was going to say, um, (laughs) yeah. So I, I didn't, I kind of thought I would go that route. I also quickly realized I would not want to leave Linfield at that three year mark because I loved it so hard. I loved, I loved my college experience. And so, um, I went into math, went into physics. My good friend Katie got me through physics, taught me inertia, made me laugh by dancing ice skaters on dry erase boards and explaining <laughs> inertia to me. Oh, that's so <laughs> Centrifugal cool. Motion. She was amazing. Um, and she is an engineer. Uh-huh. And so, um, you know, I kind of found my tribe of like, other everybody was dorky at Linfield in some capacity because I think everyone's dorky it's just whether people are willing to admit it or not yeah in our own ways right Mm -hmm. and so I found my I found my tribe at Linfield again um really immersed myself there enjoyed it like you would not believe and and couple months in Josh proposed so during Christmas or Thanksgiving break I brought two of, I brought my college friends home because they weren't going to go home for Thanksgiving because they were going home for Christmas anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. So we brought them home and stayed with us and, and did Thanksgiving and everything with us. And um, my roommates were respectively from Wyoming and Idaho. Okay. And actually, I think, I think Jenna was the only one who came home that particular weekend for Thanksgiving. So she was there and uh, we basically had a wonderful time. We did tons of family stuff with Josh's family and everything. And Josh and I, when we decided to get married, it was a conversation about, okay, when would be a good time for us to get engaged? How long are we going to need to plan the wedding, et cetera? It was not a surprise. Um, It was when he proposed because it was much earlier than I thought. Like I thought he would propose during Christmas break or something like that um, when we were home from, you know, our first semester. So smart. So he did it during Thanksgiving. I think he just could not wait. It was ridiculous. Skylar did that. 
My story's funny. I'll have to tell you sometime. I well, you're going to tell all of us sometime. <laughs> yeah, I will. So I, I, we got, he proposed during Thanksgiving break. Um, it was super sweet and we got engaged and I said yes. And our parents were like, I mean, he asked, (laughs) he really consulted everybody before he made Uh that. Like he consulted with our friends and Uh some of them were like, y'all bonkers. Most of them were like that. Oh yeah. Um, but we'll support you sort of a thing. And, and his parents were like, his parents were like, don't you want to wait a, a, like a little longer? Like just a little. We, I mean, we get it because they got married when they were like, I think, 21 and 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were 18. I was 18 and he was 19 when we got engaged. As a parent, and then, I imagine that's mildly terrifying. Yeah, we were 19 when we got married. And and yeah, and his grandparents were like, you're not, we're afraid you're not going to finish college. And I mean, it was just like this whole thing. Yeah. And we were like, we're going to do it our way. And we kind of rebelled together. That's the which best. is really fun. That's unifying. And, and the biggest opposition that we got was basically that, you know, we were, we were going to grow apart. That's what mm-hmm. everybody told us. We were going to grow apart. Mm-hmm. And we just said, you know, well, we're just going to try to grow together and we'll see what happens. And when you intentionally do that, I could see that working. Yeah. So got married between sophomore or between freshman and sophomore year of college we lived in McMinnville, which is where Linfield College is, and Josh commuted out each day to go to Western. Okay. And uh, I continued to work in the service in- industry. Um, so I worked full time as a server at like a local restaurant and put myself through school that way. And Josh worked at Albertsons and a storage facility place. And I kept telling him to get into the food service industry, but he. He's like, nah. Yeah. And then by our last. After he turned 21, he went and got a better job. A better serving job than what I had and I was so it was like at a it's like a still a really swanky restaurant in, in McMinnville it's called La Rambla um and he just made bank there wow. it was an I mean the average price of like a dinner for two was like probably over a hundred dollars oh, yeah. so he was doing really well and people who even sat at the bar would be spending that kind of money and he was bartending at the age of 21 never having drinked before like had really? a drink at all till he was 21 really yeah. um I'm surprised they let him do that. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. You know, it was it was all right place, right time. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness, it was crazy. He mm-hmm. walked in on a day where they needed somebody new really, really bad. They had just had somebody quit and then someone else walked out that was brand new and he was like, oh, Hey, wow. I need a job and and he was like, you know, can you train me? And so that's that's crazy. It was crazy. But uh, gosh, I was so glad that he was in the service industry and he was making like three times what he was before that. So that was really nice for us. Wow, that is great. Um, so anyways, we we did the whole like we just worked our butts off while we were in undergrad and we just did life together and we tried to keep a social life, which was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a pretty good, solid tribe of people. That's and, great. Skylar and I didn't have any of that. We lost friends and couldn't I make mean, we, friends. We lost a lot of our friends from high school. Yeah. You know, we had very few. And the funny part is that the couple of friends who like gave us the most crap about like being in love at the age of 17, um, got married shortly after we did. And we're it's like, the way of it. and as soon as they fell in love, which was after we had graduated, actually, um, they were like, Hey, just, they like gave us an official apology. <laughs> These are a couple of our closest friends. It was hilarious. They were like, Oh, they're like, Oh, you can't be in love when you're 18 years old. And we were like, yeah, yep. You, Especially you find- when you've got some two mature individuals. Yeah. And they know? were too, you know, they had been through a lot too. And so, 
So anyways, I always kind of was a little more mature than the average person my age and and was looking toward like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next goal? What's the big thing I'm going to do? What's the next thing to accomplish? Next step. So when I graduated from undergrad, you know, you go to a small private institution and it's like, okay, the next step is graduate school. And this is what you do. Like there's no option otherwise. Right. Or you go into like corporate finance or actuarial work or whatever. Bunch of other geeky, smart individuals. Yeah. And I, so I had majored in math and actually economics is the field that I ended up in instead of physics. Cause I didn't like that. (laughs) Um, and I felt kind of lost when it come to making that next decision about heading into graduate school or, or going into career. And I didn't know what I wanted that career to be. So the safe mm-hmm. move for me was to go to grad school, which sounds funny, but that was the safe move. Um, and I looked at several programs in environmental and natural resource economics and was looking between like Montana state university, Washington state university and Colorado state university. Mm. Um, and Colorado State University gave me the best package and I essentially, I got a full scholarship under a research assistantship. So I didn't pay for grad school for the most part. Yeah. Um, and got into that. And so we moved to Colorado from McMinnville and while we were in Colorado, um, I, you know, I was in school. I loved the classes because it was just really math based and theory based and it was fascinating. I love that part of it. I hated the research. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of advisors who we just really clashed personality wise and I didn't have the like structure and accountability that I needed and I didn't know I needed it. So I couldn't have asked for it. Right. You know, um, and I was so jealous of other people who had other advisors who were like way more involved in their process. And I wasn't mm-hmm. ready to like go off and do all this research on my own in a subject that really didn't interest you. Yeah. Water rights, agricultural Whoa. water rights. Snore. To me now. Yeah. But it took me a long time to admit that. I tried to pretend it was interesting to me and like no offense to anybody who's in that field. Like it was just not my my place, my space, what I want, where I wanted to be. The pieces of math and economics that were interesting to me for were like rational consumer choices and, mm. you know, this space of business and how things ebb and flow and connect. And, and I probably should have been a business major, but at Linfield, <laughs> and this is not true anymore. So like nothing bad to say about Linfield's business. Linfield has an amazing business program, mm-hmm. but in our space, like business, the business program was the major for the football players. And that was why I never went to offense to the football players. I knew a lot of really incredibly smart ones, but that was kind of, it was was not your tribe. No, it was like the default major of the non-academic people or people that didn't know what they wanted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of the forlorn people. And Mm -hmm. I, I never wanted to be part of that crowd, even though I kind of envied it the whole time. I was like, oh, they're starting like marketing and advertising. Like that sounds really interesting. So the business stuff always sounded very appealing to me, but I never allowed myself to get that interested in it. I was like, no, I'm going to do the economic theory portion of this. But I loved econ. I loved it so much. No, I think that's great that you recognize that in retrospect too. Yeah. So I went into grad school and I essentially, I was in this place where I wasn't really happy with what I was doing. I was extremely overweight for me at that point. So, you know, it kind of rewinding back. I, you know, I did dance until I was about 
18, 19 years old, I went into a professional dance company. Um, and I kind of had the point at which I had to make a choice between continuing with that and going to college. And to me being a successful person meant going to college and not pursuing that dream. Mm-hmm. And, and to be really honest with you, this is not one of those situations where like, I would have been the best dancer. Ever. <laughs> like I was, I was talented, but not nearly as talented as many of my, uh, people in my cohort. And so I was like, okay, the smart decision for me is to go to college. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I chose to do instead. And so when I got to college, I had no idea how to work out, mm-hmm. no idea how to take good care of myself. Dance was I had workout. never learned proper nutrition ever. Mm, ditto. Um, you know, the one thing my parents always did for me was, was to, we never had low fat dairy in the house. It was always full fat butter, full fat sour cream, hey, full fat milk. I'm, whole milk. I'm so glad for that Through because I wasn't. Whew. Yeah. And margarine was like something we would like make cookies with every once in a while, but we didn't ever cook or eat. Oh my God. It was always real butter. So I can't I, believe I'm, it's not butter was big. Well, and we'll talk about nutritional recommendations later, but for those of you who don't know, <laughs> fat is good for you. Eat the fat, the healthy please. fat, the healthy fat, not the man-made fat. So, um, so anyways, I, I didn't know how to eat. I didn't know how to take care of myself. I was incredibly stressed. I put a lot of pressure on myself to get like basically straight A's in college. I was like, this is what determines your ability to get grad school paid for. This is what determines your ability to get a great job. Like I put a lot of pressure on myself to succeed all through um, high school and college. I mean, that's amazing that you knew what you wanted though. I didn't, I don't know if I knew what I wanted, but I knew I had to like fit certain things to like get myself in the vicinity. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I thought I was just going to go into a cookie. My goal was making money. That was my goal. I wanted to be financially secure. I didn't want to go without, I wanted to go into a field where even if it was kind of boring, I knew I would make like a ridiculous amount of money. That's what I wanted. And that's what Mm -hmm. my family wanted for me too. Yeah. Cause you, you were driven. Yeah. And it was really interesting because, you know, you see a lot of people out there who have, you know, families of people who is like, they've all been college students and they all are in academia and all of that. I was the first person to go to college in my family. Yeah. And, and they were rooting you on, man. They were rooting me on, but they were like, you're going to college. (laughs) Like, this is the thing you have to do if you want to get out of here. Um, and so they put a lot of pressure on me in the beginning Mm -hmm. too, or I put a lot of pressure on myself and they just kind of rode that vibe that I, that I created. Yeah. But I was, uh, yeah, straight A student. I I wasn't valedictorian. I got like one B in high school, which made me so angry. It was in high school biology, which is hilarious because my husband teaches biology now. (laughs) And that's where we met too in our biology class. Well, Mm -hmm. we didn't meet there. That's why you got the B. That's when we got together. It's not actually, (laughs) I did not allow myself to be distracted by boys. Of course not. I don't have time for that. So that was my job when I was in high school. (laughs) (laughs) So I essentially, I, we were in Colorado. I was extremely overweight. I was like nearing 200 pounds, which if you don't know me, I'm five, three. So like, that's, I mean, that's a lot of weight on a five, three frame and none of it was muscle. Like I had lost all my muscle tone. I was literally sitting in a chair at a computer, at a desk, looking at a book, like, for the solid period of time for about almost six years. Yeah. So I headed into the, the winter of my, my last year of grad school. So my second year of grad school and my master's program. And 
we had like a family event where we did like cookie decorating and stuff like that, which is something that my, my in-laws do every, every year. I don't know if we do it anymore, but um, (laughs) everything's kind of blurry once you have a kid and you forget all these traditions. (laughs) But I, we came home, we had this cookie decorating thing and we also had a few events with my family. And when we were at Josh's family, we took a bunch of photos my family didn't take a lot of pictures. Oh, we took a my l- mom scrapbooked. A lot of photos at this cookie decorating thing. Mm-hmm. And I got a picture. I got some of those pictures sent to me or developed while we were in town. And then we brought them home. And I saw this picture of myself. And I just looked and I was like, that is not you. It was mm-hmm. a really big wake up call for me to see this. Like it was like a side, like Dude, portrait. It was like a portrait of the family. And I was like, oh, my God. You're that big. Oh, I hate that feeling. And I, I sat there and I was like, I don't feel good. I wake up every morning and my joints hurt and I feel exhausted and I feel old. I feel like an old lady. At a young age. Yeah, dude. I was like 22 at that point or mm-hmm. 21. You forget about oh, it. Oh, no, pardon me. I was like 20, 23, 24 because it was grad school. So, and I had been slowly gaining weight all throughout up, huh? all throughout college I was mm-hmm. like I wasn't I was freshman 15 but then I was sophomore 15 and junior 15 and maybe senior 10 like yeah right <laughs> yeah so you know I put on a solid probably 60 plus you know 60 70 easy pounds. to do when you got serious goals yeah and when you're not when you don't realize Put how those blinders on how important that that physical health piece of it is right and so Another thing that happened while we were home for Christmas was that we met with my family and they, I saw my aunt and she looked amazing and she had lost like probably 50 or 60 pounds in the course of just a few months. And I was like, what have you been doing? And she told me a little secrets. Yeah. She told me a little bit about what she had been doing and I was like, okay. So I went home and it it was just a point of curiosity while we we were there. This was before I saw that picture of myself. Ah. And then when we went home, I saw that photo and I was like, oh my God, okay, I'm going to call my aunt. So I call my aunt and I say, okay, I need you to tell me how you did this. For real. <laughs> I had tried like counting calories. You know, I had, I had noticed that I was putting on weight. I had noticed that I was wearing a size 14 and not a size six anymore. Right. And, and buying, having to buy new clothes as I got bigger and not being able to fit in things that I like, you know, that whole struggle as you kind of slowly gain weight. And I you know, I just didn't, I didn't know what to do. And when I spoke to her, I was like, okay, well, this is, you know, I've tried the calorie counting. I hadn't really tried exercise all that much if I'm being totally real. Um, but I had been, I spent two years around all these incredibly active people in Colorado and trying to hike and I, and we hiked a lot. I always hiked, but boy, like I dug deep and pretended like it didn't hurt, but it hurt. Yeah, right. It really hurt. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Yeah, I'm in shape. I got this. And I'm like, you know, Not. 60 pounds overweight. Yeah, I forget it. Yeah. And so I, I called my aunt and she was like, you know, it's a ketogenic diet. Shut the front door. Yeah. And that was I, a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Wow. And it was with, it's a company um, that, that does like meals and bars and shakes and different stuff like that. And a lot of it is crap and soy based and, you know, soy protein isolate and, mm-hmm. and hydrogenated oils. Like those food products are, are not good, but that's kind of where I got started, yeah. which was, I totally resonate with you when you talk yeah. about um, Advocare, which has better products than this company does. <laughs> I will say that. So, um, 
And I, so I started on it and she was a coach for this program because it had been so impactful for her and she was a nurse. And so she took on to be like a diet coach for this particular program. And, um, it's not one that a lot of people have heard about. It's kind of similar to like Metafast, but it's called Ideal Protein. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. It's out one. of Canada and it's done in a lot of diabetes clinics in Canada. Wow. So essentially this program was what I now know is a protein sparing modified fast. Uh-huh. And so I I went into this program. I I bought all the product from her. She gave it to me at wholesale, did coaching with me for free, which now I know with nutrition counseling, like I mean, I, I made her job easy for her for the most part, but like the fact that she was even willing, like that was incredible. Yeah. I still to this day think my aunt, she's always like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> like you do, like you changed my life. You don't understand. The trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of, I got a feel for this, for this diet and I started using the products. And then after a little while I was like, okay, these products are really expensive. Like I'm paying, yeah, no I'm what. paying wholesale and my cost monthly to like buy all of these diet products was like $300 a month. Yep. So for That's other epic. people it'd be like $600 a month. I'm oh. like, Oh my gosh. So I, I was like, we can't afford to continue with this. And frankly, I just didn't want to spend money on that. And I still hadn't seen like a lot of value in spending a ton of money on food. You know, we were shopping for food at like Walmart and yeah. our local, like any place you could Winco. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're on a, a tight budget and everything. And, and so I actually looked at all the nutrition labels for all of these different product packaged foods I was eating. And I said, okay, it's got this many grams of protein. It's got this many grams of carbs. It's got this many grams of, of, um, fat. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to take, I broke it down and then I found alternative real food sources like eggs and egg whites and shut the front door. Yeah. And I still was doing like soy protein shakes, but I just found a cheaper alternative or like Mm -hmm. whey protein, Mm -hmm. like the pre-done shakes that you can buy from like Costco Mm -hmm. or like the EAS advantage shakes that you can buy from, from Walmart. Um, and so it still wasn't awesome quality, but it was a little bit better more accessible. Yeah. And then after a little while, I started to get some reactions from these shakes, Mm. some major digestive issues and some other things. I was still having a lot of like stomach pain and different stuff going on. And, and so I was like, I kind of realized that the shakes weren't serving me very well. So I just replaced it with that protein source with meat and eggs. And then all of a sudden, like I was essentially eating paleo, but doing a, doing a protein sparing modified fast, which means you just eat like an epic amount of protein, not enough fat in mm-hmm. my opinion now, but enough fat to like maintain a certain calorie load. And it's really similar to the avocado diet I was on. Yeah. And then like a, a whole ton of green vegetables. Mm-hmm. So I really learned how to prepare vegetables properly. Um, I pulled a lot of crud out of my diet that I didn't know was crud and kind of ended up just in this place where I was eating paleo without knowing I was eating paleo Before paleo was called paleo. I mean, it was at that time. And here's the really funny part. So Lauren Cordain is like the father of the paleo movement or, you know, there were probably a couple of folks, researchers and such kind of before his time that he learned from, mm-hmm. but he worked at Colorado State University wow. and Rob Wolf, who was one of my first introductions to a paleo diet and listening to his podcast hmm. was essentially like studied under Lauren Cordain at CSU. Wow. Or from a distance and yeah. they like did research together. So, and I don't know all the details there, but, uh, but I just missed it. 
I just missed it. So I was at Colorado State. I was really deeply immersed in this diet. I lost 40 pounds in like 10 weeks, 12 weeks. And it just fell right off of me. I know that feeling though. It's weird when you're like, what? I became a different person. I bet. It was insane. And and so at, at that point I was I was ending my grad school thing. I hadn't like graduated because I didn't finish my thesis, which I I never finished my thesis. So mm-hmm. I never actually finished grad school. Um <laughs> Dang, but I didn't we realize that's how close you were though. Yeah, we were coming home because Josh was going to start his graduate program in teaching mm. and um, he wanted to do it in Oregon because we kind of pictured ourselves like ending up in Oregon eventually and getting an Oregon teaching license is actually kind of difficult if you yeah, come from me. another state. And so he was like, OK, I'm going to do this in, in Oregon. So he did a master's and licensure program at Concordia University. Mm. And so we moved back and all the while that entire spring, I just became obsessed with food and nutrition and learning about the science behind why this diet worked. Like, why did you like, wow, I was like, ketogen. okay. So I learned all about ketosis and then I learned all about like healthy fat and started incorporating that more and just kind of moving from that space. So when we got home, I hadn't seen a lot of these people in a while and Facebook was kind of barely a thing back then. Mm-hmm. And that being said, our family was not on Facebook. Right. And they are now, but just college students really oh my, yeah right and so when I got home nobody really knew how much weight I had lost shock, and everybody shock, shock. oh just I literally can't I'll never forget walking in the door and, and, like, and Josh's entire family being like oh my god what did you do <laughs> and so I got to share that with people and I started kind of becoming just crazed with like okay every not everybody should do this but like if you have weight to lose this could be something that works for you so I should be sharing this with people yeah and I started just like kind of shout that from the rooftops mm-hmm. um but I, I was kind of in a, a low place I came home from grad school my dad was very sick at that point he had had mm-hmm. several hospital visits that year while I, while we were away in Colorado, of which my mom didn't tell me about because she didn't want to worry me or make me feel like I needed to come home from Colorado. Mm. And so his health was deteriorating quite a bit. So I got back and that was a really big slap in the face for me because I, I didn't know how bad it was. Yeah, that's um, pretty epic to be like, oh. Yeah, and by, by the time we moved back, my dad was in dialysis for kidney failure. Dang two or three days a week Hmm. hyperbaric chamber eventually one to two days a week as well and that's a huge wake-up call to come home to that yeah and and back then there was no facility for dialysis or hyperbaric chamber um you know more than or closer than you know 30 to 40 minutes away from my parents house Mm -hmm. and my mom was working three jobs and they rarely had a car that worked and you know the way it needed to and and so there was, a, a, and my brother has never been really functioning with like helping out a time. He was, but he was kind of exhausted with it too. Yeah. Cause he was kind of carrying the torch and dealing with a very depressed man who was home all day with him mm. every aware. single day. Yeah. I, I left and I was like, see ya. I didn't talk to my family a whole heck of a lot when we were, when I was in college or, well, or in grad Commun- school. Communication was harder back then too. It really was. I just have also never been, it's interesting to be on the phone so much for my job now because I just, I didn't like being on the phone. I didn't like calling, but I also like every time I called my family, they, there, nothing had changed. So there yeah. was not really much to talk about. Yeah. 
And then I'd talk about me and then they would always make me feel guilty for, for not coming home more often or not calling more often. And that made me want to call less. Yep. I'm <laughs> like that, that, too. that rebel piece of it kind of came mm-hmm. in. And so we hadn't been super close over these years and I, I just needed to get out. I needed to live my own life. I needed to study. I needed to do what I needed to do and just have some selfish time, I guess. Mm. I think everybody should go through that. And if they don't, they will later in their adult years. Well, and I've gone through that in my adult years too. But <laughs> so I, um, you know, when we got home, it, it was much worse than I, than I had anticipated. And it really hit me hard. I looked at my grad school program with a little bit deeper lens and I was like, I am not going to finish this thesis. I don't like it. I'm not having fun. It's not worth my time. Life is short. I'm sure. Yeah. And, and I didn't really have the realization that my dad was dying at that Mm -hmm. point, but I I knew that was the fate and it was going to be earlier in his life. And so I, I was like, okay, I need to be here for my family. So I need to just find any job that I can that's flexible. And I don't need to have to. So I went back into the food service industry because I knew I could just like literally start making money tomorrow. Yeah. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was super lost. And I I used my dad's condition as an excuse not to deal with that piece of it of like where I wanted to go next. Um, You know, I could say that like. It sounds like you were processing quite a bit too. Yeah, it was a lot. And I. I basically was like, okay, mom and dad, like I have a working car. I will come pick dad up and take him to dialysis and take him to hyperbaric. And I was still pretty angry with my dad at that point. Mm -hmm. Like he was dying from a preventable disease that I felt like was his fault. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, everything that I did for my dad, I really did for my mom because I wanted to, you know, pressure off. Yeah. Take the Mm -hmm. pressure off, kind of relieve her in some way, be there for her. Um, and so I did, and that was really hard for me because all of those car rides, 30, 40 minute car rides, it's a lot of alone time. It's a lot of alone time with someone who I hadn't spent much time with in the last, you know, six years or so. And it's difficult to know what to say to someone that's in that position when they're, he was exhausted. He was grumpy. He was disappointed in me for not finishing my thesis and having a real job. Mm -hmm. So I heard a lot of. Uh, he was projecting. Oh yeah. Lots of projecting about, you know, they had a lot of dreams for me that, that were dreams they wanted for themselves, maybe not specifically, but to, you know, to get out and to do and to be more. And Mm -hmm. both of them had the potential to do that too. My parents were incredibly intelligent, are incredibly intelligent people. Um, and so I realized how depressed he was on those car rides, like suicidal, depressed and he Mm. hadn't there were no suicide attempts that I knew of but he talked about it all the time and all the time with my brother so my brother was just exhausted emotionally he didn't know how to deal with all of those like and and anything that that didn't like a professional navigation oh my gosh and there's no way that man would go to counseling there's no way I mean he's so deep in it at that point and so um I kind of assumed that role of just like I was like, I can't, I can't get too deep into this. I can't feel it too much, but I, I, the motions. Yeah. I was like, here's what I can do. I can drive a car from this town to this town and take him to where he needs to be to his appointments. And, and I'm angry with him in lots of ways and I don't know how to help him in lots of ways, but this is one thing I can do to help my mom and alleviate some of that pressure. So I did that. I also tried to make some money so that I could give them some money too. 
And that was kind of, I did that in high school as well. I paid for my own cell phone. I paid for my own gas. I bought my own car. I, I was like, I realized that I couldn't be a financial burden on my family anymore. Yeah. So I basically wasn't from the age of 15 and above. Yeah. Didn't cost them a penny. In fact, tried to like give give them money. Any restaurant I worked at, I would, I would just bring food home. I would spend my, spend my money on eating it, which is so crazy. Cause like I should have just stopped by the grocery store. Right. <laughs> that would have been the smart thing to do. Oh, I did man. that too, but, but I was surrounded like, by food in your job. Yeah. I'd bring home like salmon salad and burgers and fries, all sorts of stuff in high school because I was like, okay, we can, I could feed everybody for dinner. That's something I, I can do. I, I can't believe you took on that pressure. Like, I don't know where it you, came from. And you probably didn't feel pressure, but at the same time, that I had no idea what was going on in my brain. Right. I was just like, this is what I can do to survive. Like it was like survival mode in a way. And like I said, I, we always had everything we needed. We always had food. We always had a, a roof. We always had a clean place to live and be. Yeah, and in. you wanted to contribute. Yeah. So, you know, essentially spent many years continuing in the restaurant industry when I felt like I should be doing something bigger than that and and taking care of my dad. And then he passed in um, 2012, October of 2012. And... I went into like a tailspin at that point. His death hit me really hard. Um, How much time frame from when you came home to when you passed? Two years. Two years? Just but about. Two, but two years of just digging in, yeah. driving to and from. Being at the restaurant, yet working, having, taking him to appointments during the day, working at night. I Josh was at a, getting his master's. Josh was getting his master's. Josh and I had completely opposite schedules. So Josh, mm-hmm. had, Josh had like a, you know, when you go to grad school for teaching at this particular school, it's like having a nine to five job. Yeah. Kind of the thing. And then a little bit later, usually, because you got group projects and different things you had to work on. And Josh had a lot of pressure on him to be perfect at this because he's like okay this is what I'm meant to do with my life I need to be perfect at school which he had never cared about being perfect at school before Mm. that so that was that's a whole nother conversation for another day um and our our marriage was floundering at that time because we weren't communicating we were living completely separate lives I was he was yeah and he was hanging out with his friends from his college program and I was hanging out with my friends from the restaurant um and staying out super late because I thought to myself well I want to have some fun too yeah and I just spent my entire day driving my my pissed off dad around and and now I'm gonna you know serve people who May or may not treat you. I, I liked my job. It was fun. Oh, the servers get the brunt of everyone's bad day when they have a Sometimes, bad day. Yeah. I, I tried to to hone the art of turning that around for people. That's uh-huh. something I pride myself in. But, um, or just like kind of like, you know, sloughing it off. Right. Being like, yeah, it's fine. You got issues. <laughs> uh, you're right. I, I didn't take it personally usually. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I... I was in that restaurant job and I, I, I was like, well, by the time I get home from my actual shift at the restaurant, Josh is already going to be asleep. So why don't I just go out with my friends? And so we kind yeah. of had like our like our single like 20s. It was like we we're in our early 20s, but we weren't we're in our late 20s mm-hmm. um, or mid 20s, I should say. We kind of had like our little separate like thing. And we started like living life like we were single people and not mm-hmm. that, you know, there was anything non above board happening. Um, but it was just kind of, we're just living separate lives. Ships in the night. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Roommates. Yeah. And we were living with Josh's family at the time because that's that's another level. I was being, I was the sole income earner while Josh was in school. 
which is a podcast for another day. (laughs) Um, and so I, I kind of went into a tailspin. I started like partying, but partying for me was like just staying out later and drinking a little bit more, but still being pretty responsible, being ready for work and responsibilities. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean like, yeah, my, my version of being a partier was probably like pretty tame for most people. Um, but for me, it was like a really big distraction. And so I just, I just distracted myself with going to concerts and getting fit. I, I got, I was doing CrossFit like six days a week. I had not, not only sloughed off that 45 to 60 ish pounds, but I had put on a ton of muscle. I had gotten into fitness. Um, I was in this space where I was getting all these compliments from men and Mm -hmm. I hadn't been hit on maybe, you know, ever, (laughs) ever. Um, and so I didn't know how to deal with that attention. And that was a very unhealthy thing for me as well, especially being a married woman. Oh yeah. Um, cause I really liked it. <laughs> I Especially like, never experiencing it. I was it. like, Oh, I like this attention. Um, <laughs> and so I was just being pulled in, in so many different directions. And, um, I, I was sharing all I knew about health and wellness. And I, I was in the CrossFit community as an athlete, you know, just getting really plugged in and loving it and being there every single day. And that was my community. Yeah. And that turned into like my healthy community. And that kind of kept me grounded through the like partying I was doing and that kept my partying in check too because I'd be like well work out I, can't, I was like I can't party so hard that I can't work out tomorrow yeah right um and so I, I it kept me relatively grounded and and I felt safe in that space and when That's my good. dad passed like I just I mean I'll never forget the first workout I did after my dad passed away I just bawled my ass off mm-hmm. and his death rocked me in such a big way that I didn't expect because I knew he was dying. Yeah. So I, you logically thought it and you understood. I was like, I'm going to, I'm prepared for this. I've been preparing for this since I was 14 years old. Not to mention the last two years. Yeah. Not so much. <laughs> Hard when you're busy. So, so anyways, I, I basically, I came to this position where I was like, okay, I, something's got to change. And I was in this CrossFit community. I had changed my diet. I changed my lifestyle and my, my friends in that arena were asking me like, what, what are you doing? Why, how come you're doing so good at CrossFit or why are how you're getting so much leaner? We started CrossFit at the same time and you can do more pull-ups and more deadlifts than me and all this. And it, I was like, I wanted to share everything I knew, but I was like, I'm not like, I'm not official with this stuff. Like I don't, I don't know what I'm talking this, about. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was just like, I just know what I did, but I want to know how to help you too. So eventually I kind of saw this dead space in the gym where there needed to just be somebody talking about holistic nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I had kind of jumped into that space. I had found paleo through like the zone diet with CrossFit and oh. zone paleo and then just paleo um, <laughs> and was feeling great and doing well in the gym and, and all of that. And then I wanted to do more. Again. I want, yeah. I wanted to do more. I wanted to make my own job. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make this official. I started researching nutrition programs and I had gotten into paleo and was paying attention to what like Diane Sinfilippo and Liz Wolf were doing on the, on the Balance Bites podcast and listening to everything they had to say. And they had an episode that was like, if you want to do what we do, I went to this college and I went to this college and Liz talked about the Nutritional Therapy Association program. And I was like, like, this is it. Yeah. And so I researched a bunch 
the Bowman College program actually looked a little more appealing to me. Mm-hmm. It was in North. The program was in Northern California, and Josh was like, "We're now moving to California." <laughs> It's like the one place he refuses to live, which is so funny. Northern California? Just California in general, which I was like, Northern California is basically Oregon. I know. I was like, I think it was in Northern California. I can't remember. But it it, it was a culinary and Mm. nutrition program together, but it was in person. They also had an online program that was like 10K and I could not afford that. So I I looked at the Nutritional Therapy Association. It was a nine month program. And it was going to put me closer to my goal sooner. And I actually looked at the curriculum and I was like, oh, okay. All right. This is my, this is my tribe. This is my people. I'm already living there too. So Yeah. So fall of 2013. So about a year after I lost my dad, um, I started the nutritional therapy program and was heavily involved in the CrossFit community and an athlete myself and kind of sunk into to doing gym challenges and teaching people about paleo nutrition and, and sugar detox and all of that. And that kind of like morphed into where I'm at now. And, you know, I know we'll do more of an episode talking about like safer skincare and, and all of that and how we kind of came into that briefly, space. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, so tell briefly. Yeah. Like, be, how did that become even I've something on your radar for so long? So how, how did you even get aware of, because obviously you were spending so much time talking about your insides and how it can affect your outsides. How did you get into anything that can be on the outside? Like where, where was that connection made? So I was, I was working with my clients and a lot of people coming to me, obviously wanting to lose weight and, and going through autoimmune conditions and just with like a really heavy toxic load. And you could tell one of the questions in my intake form is like, have you been exposed to toxic chemicals? And I can't even tell you how many people put no on that. Oh, I know. And I just took that. I was like, okay, you like, you use healthy cleaning products. You, you know, and that was like the gist of my knowledge. No. The, the, the gist of my knowledge was that you needed to go for more natural cleaning products, that there was a lot of chemicals out there that we shouldn't be using. I was pretty chemically sensitive and I had already kind of been avoiding perfume for a while. Um, cause a lot it of people was, out there it was just like, like give me a headache. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand the, the mechanics behind that, but I was in a space where I needed to take a deeper look at, at what was going on my client's skin because you know, I had a lot of clients that were dealing for t- with fertility issues too. Mm-hmm. And we cleaned everything up. Their diet was on point. Their self-care was on point. Their rest was on point. Their stress was relatively managed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, what gives? Cause I know it's not like, this isn't just genetics. This, there's a bigger piece to this. Mm. And I had one client who loved her makeup I love 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 loved her makeup I beautiful so so good at at applying makeup and just looked you know so put together all the time and she just loved it and it was it was a creative outlet for her in a you know being in a corporate job she was like this is something that I really enjoy it's kind of a hobby for me Mm -hmm. and I was like okay well let's try to find some some more natural options and she was using I mean yeah I mean you know the standard stuff is out there exactly spending a lot of money on this stuff and thinking it's high quality right and and healthy because it's it's expensive not true and this particular client um she I was like okay let's let's fix the 
the makeup. Let's try to, to swap that out and see maybe that's part of it. And yeah. I hadn't even like done my research and looked at like what ingredients were in Mac makeup right. or whatever. You know, I was just like, I, I had read this article about how there was lead in lipstick and I was like, okay, well let's, you know, how's your heavy metal toxicity? So I had her do a hair tissue mineral analysis test Ooh. and dude, whoa, heavy, heavy, heavy metal toxic burden. That's where I was. Yeah. And and so, and it takes a long time to slough that actually. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, we need to put you on a healing protocol for this. And one of the things we need to do is take a look at your, your cosmetics. Cause she had changed over pretty much everything else at that point, including her skincare. Um, she was like, I'm just going to do coconut oil for everything. <laughs> right. That was our answer back then. <laughs> and, uh, so she switched everything out and they had been trying to conceive for probably the better part of three years. And she was my Damn. client for about a year of that. Bravo to her for reaching out. So I, I pretty much told her she needed to come see me. <laughs> that's, that's kind a, of how I am. I'll I be, love that about I'll you. I'll be talking to somebody and I'll be like, okay, you need to be in my office tomorrow. We need <laughs> I to, love that. We need you. to fix this. Um, because sometimes the solution is so simple, but people just don't know. And once you yeah. know this stuff about, about nutrition, about safe skincare, about, uh, about proper movement, about stress management, uh, you can't unknow it when you know better you do better you cannot unknow it right so I'm like okay I have to share this with everybody who will listen and if you won't listen I'll just tell you to listen and then I'll start to tell you (laughs) (laughs) yeah giving unsolicited advice is probably my specialty (laughs) and so and I'm sorry thank you so much for everybody who still loves me even though I do that I try to short up and not be like a paleo evangelist everywhere I go (laughs) or a beauty counter evangelist (laughs) Um, and so I was like, okay, we're going to swap all this stuff out. So we swapped it out for stuff like RMS and vapor and mineral fusion and stuff like that. And she literally got pregnant in like three months after that change. That is bonkers fast. Perfectly healthy pregnancy, perfectly healthy, healthy kiddo to this day. Um, that's bonkers. And that really, and you know, who knows? what all it was that went into that. It's not going to be all, of course, the the beauty products, but that was a big catalyst for me to take a deeper look. Go, oh. Uh-huh. And then into that journey, um, Josh and I wanted to have a baby. And so I was, I was spending some time really looking at my own nutrition and lifestyle and mm-hmm. trying to dial things in even better and looking at like super nutrient density and very low toxicity, everything. So I started to look up my products on the environmental working group. Ah, that'll get you. And I was like, this thing says it's natural and it's rating a 10. This thing says it's botanical and plant-based and organic and it's rating an eight. That's and the part I, that made me mad is all of the greenwashing. Yeah. There. And then I looked up so I got, and this kind of like, you know, continued to evolve while I was pregnant. And then I got a couple of gift sets from people for like baby wash and diaper rash cream and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When we were having our baby showers, which listen, people, if people have a baby shower, buy them something on their registry and not some random thing that they didn't ask for. Put the Johnson and Johnson down. <laughs> Or, yeah, any of those things. So a vino baby, same thing. So we got a couple of gift sets that actually like were alternative brands that I didn't know a lot about that, you know, maybe they're sold at Target or wherever. And and they were from relatively crunchy people in my life. So I was like, OK, well, I'll take a look. And I looked up some of these baby products and one of them was like a natural company. And I'm not going to mention what it is, but it rated a 10. And I was like, what the actual F? I lost it. Happening? I lost it because I was like, how could you possibly think that it's okay to put a product 
that's a hormone disruptor and a known carcinogen. Not oh, only, and gosh. it wasn't even that like this particular ingredient had a byproduct that was a known carcinogen. This ingredient was a known carcinogen and, oh my. and linked to like ovarian and testicular cancer. Oh, for the love of, oh. on a baby. On their genitals. This like this was the diaper cream that I looked up. I seriously just want to like hit my head right now. I'm like, oh I, my god! And I just I lost it. I was like, what the heck is happening? How is somebody? So I I went to, to like purchase. I, I switched everything and I was like, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to brush my teeth with coconut oil and charcoal powder. I'm going to like wash, I'm going to do oil cleansing method with Isn't my face and with my hair. Go? Like, and I went to the deep, deep extreme where I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to use only all natural, you know, jojoba oil to oil cleanse my face and moisturize and, and yeah. everything. And my skin was a freaking mess. Mm-hmm. I was having acne, hormonal issues, like all this kind of stuff was still present for me. You know, I was going and then I was pregnant and, you know, hormonal oh, yeah. breakouts during pregnancy and all of that. And then after I had Graham, I, I was frankly exhausted. I was tired of just using coconut oil for everything. I just wanted shampoo and that worked because mama needs convenience that made me feel good. And none of these things were convenient. And it was not convenient for me to make my own laundry soap anymore or my own, you know, all of these things I was DIYing everything. I was DIYing myself into oblivion. Oh my gosh. And that's where most people go. Most people think I want the control because that's what it is. It's control. Yeah. They want the control to know what's going into their products. But what they don't understand is that their raw ingredients may also be having issues. There's so many problems with DIYing beyond just there's no time. Yeah. Just because mm-hmm. coconut oil is is not toxic doesn't mean it's better for your right. for your skin all the time. So so anyways, I you know, I I came from a place of just like being so angry that I'm like, okay, I'm going to switch everything out and I'm going to tell everybody they have to make their own products too, which guess what? Most of my clients didn't have time to do that. They're, they're like, like uh, and then they're like, can you make the products for us and we just buy them from you? And I was like, oh, maybe I should start a safe thing, like maybe start sell. a product-based company. Mm-hmm. I didn't have time for that. I did not have time for that. <laughs> so so then I mean honestly and just like I mentioned before, a big part of my journey was like, you know, learning from Diane Sanfilippo and Liz Wolf, who are like just powerhouses in the real food community. And and from that place, I learned about Beauty Counter. And Liz Wolf was on the podcast. She was talking about safe sunscreen, which we were getting into that place where we were headed into summer and it was going to be about six months yeah. old. Mm-hmm. And I was like, OK, like I got to get some sunscreen on this kid because he is a redheaded like Caucasian boy. Yeah. (laughs) He needs some sunscreen. And my husband burns horribly. Um, And so I was like, okay, well, I need to protect him. And um, gosh, the kid hated wearing hats so much. So did mine. Mm -hmm. And and so I was like, okay, we got to figure something out for sun just in case, you know, because we've got some adventures we want to go on this summer and get outside, be healthy. Yeah. (laughs) And and so, you know, she was talking about safe sunscreen and the, you know, the thing she said was like, okay, this stuff is safe. It's been tested. It works. It's from a company that I can, I can get behind. And at that point I was like, I'm not doing any more research. I'm literally just going to go buy this sunscreen. So I go find her link because I want to shop with her as an affiliate because I want her to get the credit because she introduced it to me. Mm-hmm. Like I had come into business at that point as a nutritional therapy practitioner. So I understood the that when side. I click somebody's affiliate link, it means I am supporting what they're doing. And I am all about that. It's like a boat. Mm-hmm. I will I will go out of my way to go click somebody's affiliate I'm that link. way too. Because I'm like, you deserve this. You introduced me to it. I'm going to find it. Mm-hmm. So, so I bought through Liz. 
um, some beauty counter products and honestly didn't know a whole lot about the company, didn't, you know, anything. And, and the buying experience with beauty counter is so simplified, even though it's direct sales, it feels like you're just ordering from a website. Right. So it had her name up there, but I didn't know she was like a consultant for a direct sales company. I just thought it was one of Part her, of the affiliate program one of her affiliate yeah. relationships. Yeah. Um, and so I continued to kind of swap out some of my products and, and stopped like, you know, moisturizing my face with, coconut oil and I was like god I'm gonna buy I'm gonna splurge on this this balancing Mm -hmm. facial oil the facial oil oh my god charcoal bar love the charcoal bar and so many products that I just kind of slowly swapped out and and had really fallen in love and and the entirety of this time I actually didn't know you could be a consultant with this company I didn't know you could partner with them as a business person and and kind of start your own thing and an offshoot and then I got invited to go to a webinar that was about the business opportunity with beauty counter. And I said, the, the, what, what, (laughs) the, the, what, what? the, what, (laughs) um, because I had already loved all of the product. And uh, and to be honest with you, had I known that this was an opportunity I could have taken sooner, I would have taken it immediately. I, I listened to this webinar. I signed off the webinar. I looked at the cost to get involved. I didn't have the money to buy a starter set, uh, as far as like the options are available for consultants. And I, I took a step back and I said like, okay, something has to give. I was exhausted trying to trade my time for dollars in my one-on-one nutrition practice. Um, Which I was, was going trying, well. It was going well, but it, it was not going time as well after going. having a kid. Mm-hmm. I thought I could do a lot more with like no childcare. Like, I don't even know what that's about. And so I, I just came into this space where I was like, okay, like something has to give and this could be it for me. Mm-hmm. And I saw a financial opportunity. I saw an opportunity to have a a platform to educate people from in a way that I had seen Liz doing over the, you know, the previous year, six months to a year. And I was like, okay, I literally signed up two days later to join as a consultant and then just kind of treated it like an affiliate relationship for a little while. And then I had that recruiting workshop right before I contact, you know, we connected. Um, And my mind was just really open to just the possibility of using beauty counter as a platform to change people's lives because that's what mm-hmm. I'm that's what that's I'm what in the about. business of doing right that's what I'm about changing lives and whatever that means for whoever I'm I'm with whether it's a mindset shift or a, a nutrition shift or a skincare shift or all of the things and you know I came into beauty counter in this place where I was exhausted postpartum I had a ton of skin issues. I was exhausted of trying to like do all my own DIY products and, and I was trying to prepare all of our food from scratch and so many things and something had to give. Yep. And I finally found a company that made products that not only that I could get behind, but that were fixing my skin. Yeah. That actually worked. And I was like, what? Um, this happens. <laughs> and then I found a, a nice little makeup routine with, oh my gosh, I love our foundation so much. The tint skin foundation is like the jam. I was and not much I of a foundation had, person before I, I started switched over from bare minerals. Mm-hmm. And so I was like a powdered foundation person and I started using our liquid foundation. I had never found a liquid foundation that actually looked good on my skin. I probably also didn't know how to apply it properly. It's a journey. <laughs> right. And so I, I got into that and I started loving it. And, you know, you just get to a point when you find something that you love that you can't 
shut up about it or wait maybe that's just me so I just never shut up <laughs> <And> clearly <laughs> an hour and a half in so <laughs> 45 hour 45 <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. I know Jen I know hey we're, yeah that's what we're here for brevity is not our strong suit oh guys just get used to listening to us just saying right now yeah so anyway and most of our episodes will not no we just want you guys to get to know us that's all it's a life story situation Mm -hmm. i hope you guys i hope this is helpful for you if you're still here right now i feel like we should have some sort of like hidden nugget or something like maybe we'll plan like a little giveaway or something i know um so i have stuff by the way we could totally give away oh i know we're going to (laughs) we're planning you guys don't worry um so so anyways you know as soon as I found beauty counter it was it was kind of history after that and it was this added platform for me to not only be able to talk about you know blood sugar and digestion and all of these things that I love to talk about as a nutritional therapist but toxic load Mm -hmm. because it was impacting every single one of my clients and I thought man this is a really relevant thing that that needs to be discussed and and I'm just going to go into this for a minute but you know what I learned was there hasn't been a major federal law passed on the safety or personal care products since 1938. Since then, there have been 80,000 chemicals introduced into commerce. Mm-hmm. Less than 20% of those chemicals have been tested for safety on human health. You know, when I found out these statistics, it was before I'd signed up as a beauty counter consultant. And I was like, no way. There's no way that's true. I genuinely was like, nah. So I went out of my way to prove it wrong. And it's yeah, you true. fell flat on your face. Oh my gosh! Um, I was like, this, this is insanity. And it, it, you know, I, I'm already angered by the food industry and what can be put in our food. And there's already a lot more regulation in the food industry yep. than there is in, in the personal way. Like, like more than a lot more. It's like the Wild West, man. Yeah, and then and so you know, in the personal care products industry is very similar to the supplement industry. So I had mm-hmm. been you know really exposed to making sure I was you know buying and suggesting to my clients from companies that were you know very very transparent, very well researched, very you know all of that, doing all the testing and things that Beauty Counter is doing as a company. Um, but the one thing I experienced when I joined Beauty Counter was like this level of community and that surprised me mission that just floored me and I'm gonna be like give you the real real about this and I I, when I joined beauty counter and then in the year following that even as building a team even with you know joining the business and and really seeing it grow in a really big way and replacing my full-time income within a year's time from nutrition counseling I I came from this place where I was like okay I'm gonna wait for the other shoe to drop because something's going to happen that I don't feel like is above board. Something's going to yep. happen. Some product, they're going to put out a product that's like terrible. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we're going to find out that they're, they're not as transparent as they say they are or whatever. I was just like, this is just too good to be true. Right. Um, and, and I also told myself, you're not going to be like all those other beauty consultants out there. Those direct mm-hmm. salespeople who drive you bonkers, yep. which I've never, I've never been, but still, I mean, you know, I'm very I've, conscious of it. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I came into this place where I was like, okay, I, you know, something's got to give, this is my spot. I see beauty counters as huge opportunity, but I still am like waiting for things to like crumble because yeah, it's too for, good to be yeah, true. Waiting for the red flag to come up. Yeah. And I, we go to the conference, I go to the conference last year with Heather, one of my, my colleagues and and good friends. And, 
And she said, you know, she and I both kind of go into this and we're like, oh, you know, we're in holistic health and wellness. She's a massage therapist and an NTP as well. And, and we were like, oh yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be better than everybody else. And <laughs> I it love that even, you admit that out loud though. It wasn't even like a ego thing. It was just like, we're different we're than different other space. beauty consultants. This is, di- it's, this means something different to us. Mm-hmm. And I walked in. And you know what? Everybody looked gorgeous. Everybody mm-hmm. was made up really well. I mean, like, whoa, I was way underdressed. But, <laughs> but, and I let that kind of like shield, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm probably right about this. And then I go and talk to people and I'm like, oh, I literally just met an aeronautical engineer who chose to be a beauty counter consultant. I just met someone who is a physician, a physical therapist, other people in holistic health and wellness, big beauty bloggers, big nutrition bloggers, um, stay at home mothers who were like freaking powerhouses. Mm -hmm. And all of these people had a compelling story and every single one of them had this like deeper why for why they needed to share this information. You know, they had had a family member who had had an environmentally caused cancer. Um, you know, they lost their spouse, they lost their child, they lost, you know, whatever it was. And I was just like, holy crap. This is Big. This is real. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that that journey with my dad is what drove me into nutrition because it was bigger. I was like, OK, I lost my dad to a preventable disease that I can help everybody else overcome. And this was another piece where I was like, I, I will not encounter another person who does not know about the toxicity in our personal care products. And this is my flag that I wave now. <laughs> oh, that flag is big. Yeah. So yeah. this is like very long a very long journey and there's still honestly a lot more to talk about but I'm like so excited to learn more and just keep talking and ditto finding more ways to share and share other people's story the way we want to share ours like yeah mm, I'm excited you know and I had a I had a moment when you gave me the time of how long I've been talking I if we're all being honest I told Genevieve that I probably would have my story be a little shorter than hers because I've told it a lot of times <laughs> Which is really funny because it's like, (laughs) it's at least 50% longer. (laughs) And of course, like I'm eating my words like I always am. (laughs) Not (laughs) always. It's fine. It's fine. I can deal. Oh, I Um, love it. And I I find myself, I found myself thinking for a minute about the fact that this is too long to air and be effective. And then I thought to myself, my favorite podcasts are like this. I'm a rebel. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, that leads me into I one of my... I do what I want. Oh, okay. I'm going to ask you the question. Okay. Cassie, what was your biggest rebel moment? Okay. So my biggest rebel moment is actually one I already told you guys about, mm-hmm. but it is, it's quitting grad school. I had never quit a dang thing in my life. And you're the so The only time I had ever left a job was because I was moving or I got a better job. And I, it was always on my terms. I always like, I was like quitting to do another it was a, thing. It was a strategic move. Yeah. This was like me failing. This is you going and we're done. This was me failing. And it, it was, I, I failed up from there, but it was very, but it, it was, was a so jagged d- And road. I felt, I felt so like such a failure. You such know? a defining moment. Oh my gosh. It was a really pivotal moment for me. See, you know, I totally get why my rebel moment was just not the same thing. I dyed my hair if you didn't catch the first episode but <laughs> I had lots of rebel moments like that in high school I had I had I have lots of other moments like that but that one was so intentional I was mm. purposely doing it to be different because I couldn't stand it 
Yeah, I don't know if my rebel moment was purposeful, but it was necessary. But but it was all those expectations put upon you and all yeah. those those things that people wanted for you and you were so close and you went through all that time and effort. I'm sure if anybody could have spoke their mind to you, they would have been like, Cassie, you finished us. <laughs> but it wasn't right for you. No. It wasn't. I mean, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But still... It well, was painfully I, obvious in hindsight that that was just yeah. Not right and for you. as soon as I learned about my personality type through the four tendencies through Gretchen Rubin's framework, I was like, Ooh. "Oh, that's why I failed. I'm an obliger, and yeah. I have no accountability." Yeah, right. Oh my gosh, we have so much <laughs> I mean, to say about that. There's so yeah, and that'll be like a whole. We're gonna totally do an episode about oh, our tendencies and stuff like that. that. I mean, talk to so, my family members. But I do want to say that like we know this was like a big long story for both of us. You know, very serious and in, in nature in some ways, but you know, I think a story that we always feel like is worth being told because um you know these are the things that we love to hear about that change our lives and impact us in big ways and and that's something that we strive to do with talking to you guys so in the future we will talk about lighter things like our favorite books and movies and podcasts and why (laughs) and how many tattoos we have and and oh there's many things to talk about i know there were other questions on here that that we're not going to get to and that's okay um, I feel like we can do them in pieces here and there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, little Q&A things. Um, yeah. But you guys, you get the gist of, of kind of what we're about. And we appreciate you being here. And, you know, Genevieve and I come from different backgrounds, but we have so much to say together. And, and I hope we can represent a piece of this kind of interdisciplinary conversation about being human and and life is kind of messy. But but ideally, we come together in community to do bigger things and and share important information with people and that's kind of what we're here to do so yes we feel that responsibility so grateful so um my business name yes let's find we we gotta find cassie i know where to find me so uh (laughs) i am over at the northwestkitchen.com this is my new food blog it's a baby food blog it's nothing crazy but it's it's my little it's my little happy place um you know transitioning over from Stumptown nutrition which some of you may know me from there um say it one more time how can they find you the northwestkitchen.com it's beautiful uh, I, and you can hear a little bit more about how to find me on Instagram, et cetera. Um, and yeah, that's, I know I'm excited. You guys got to find her because, oh, and can we please talk about your Facebook group? Oh yeah. I love her Facebook group because there, it, it is a little community and people interact and Cassie does live videos. She does, um, the best practical food advice. She, t- she has giveaways like y'all got to check her out. Thank you. Yeah, um, tell it's them called, what it's called. It's called Real Food and Safe Skincare, and it's just a, a a community place where hopefully you know I'm trying to cultivate a lot more of a conversation in there where I'm not the only one posting, and that's starting to happen, which makes yes. me so happy. Um, but we've got a few a few hundred people in there just kind of jiving about um, superfoods and nutrition, and uh, I hopped in there and did a live video a few weeks ago about. Um, going keto and the difference between mm-hmm. keto and low carb. So I'd love to do like free education and live videos. It's like my jam in that space. Um, so if you guys have questions, we can either cover those on the podcast and or I can do if they're nutrition specific, we'll probably focus on, um, you know, doing more of those in that Facebook group. So you guys are more than welcome to. And I to pop join in every now there. and then. Heck yeah, you do. I pop in a little bit here and there just like she does in my group. But I think that's the fun part. It's just. You can, you can learn a lot in both spaces. 
you know so mm-hmm. definitely be um looking us up checking her out we're really looking forward to all the content that's coming up we've got some fun things planned i think you guys gotta keep checking us out because we we really enjoyed doing this like yeah. i'm excited to keep going forward this was therapeutic yeah this is really therapeutic and we have we're gonna have lots of fun um interviews and people on the podcast that you know we're just, we just selfishly want to learn from so oh, we want you yes. guys to learn from them too so we'll be bringing those people on and we'll be talking about like specific skincare stuff, specific nutrition stuff, entrepreneurship, business, life, all of the things. So um, the one thing we're not is going to be a podcast that's just about one thing. Oh, yeah. We're all the things. I can't. We're all <laughs> over the place. I did not get this expensive equipment to just talk about one thing. We're going to talk about all the things. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We'll catch you next time. Oh, goodness. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com. Or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.